0: Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event, For Her, By Her, presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses' employment and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. So I'm just like counting down the weeks until Taylor we do- Swift and Arrow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I know. Here's the thing. Early on, we had a friend who went to show this was before you had gone to Nashville. And she's like, don't worry about it. Whatever you've seen on social, like, it's not going to ruin it for you. Like, whatever. I haven't watched any live stream, but I have seen, I'm sure, thousands at this point, clips of, like, various aspects of the show. I don't think any outfits will be a surprise. I definitely think backdrops and, like, lights Mm -hmm. and stuff will Mm -hmm. for sure be. And obviously the dramaticness of, you know, being live. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But were you good? Oh my God. I
1: cannot put into words the emotional experience that it is okay. Being there Okay, so much so that when I talk about it, I, cause I was talking about it this weekend, cause I will never not be talking about it. And everyone always asks me like how it was, whatever. So it got brought up this weekend and literally Brian was like, man, I really wish I could go with you to the July concert, just so I could experience it with you because Aww. it is such a, like when i say it's life changing i am not joking and it is just such an incredible body of work to get to witness live and be around tens of thousands of people who are also witnessing it and feeling it and it's just it is incredible
0: well i'm so excited and for those of you who missed it did you see her second rain, rain show, show? Oh, my God. I thought the first one was ridiculous. No, and that one felt like more rain. But this Gillette show, it literally downpoured the entire thing. And I saw this video of her attempting to play the piano. And she's like, hold on a second, guys. And she's like trying to like get like a get the water off waterfall worth of water off of the can, top. Can someone who is
1: musically inclined... Please tell me like how they are protecting all of their
0: instruments. So some of the instruments I do think will get ruined, but I did see a technical breakdown of what system she's using and how they can be like used in the rain, essentially. And so it is like this wireless system, but the system is specifically designed for military grade. Oh, and so it it's <laughs> 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 so it's like been heat tested like cold tested sweat salt Mm -hmm. sand something else Mm -hmm. but like they're like the rain is the least of our worries what's the most of their worries i don't know they didn't (laughs) say like apparently the like head of her sound crew like talk to someone who talked to someone. So this is like third party information. Sure. It's now fourth party information. So I'm yeah. sure it's so accurate. <laughs> um, but she's on average using three mics per night. And like they're saying the mics themselves, you can literally just like shake them off and they'll be fine. That's wild. But the instruments, I don't know. Like Cause- the guitars. Right. I'm sure some of them, she has to have duplicates of, or they're literally getting ruined. Like, I don't know how else they couldn't be. Like, I want to know how many, I know she has backup costumes, but like, how many duplicates of the exact same costume do you have? I'm desperate to know. And I saw a video from it would have been last night's performance. So the night three at Gillette stadium, <laughs> she had to stop her surprise song set because the keyboard started playing itself because oh. it fried from the rain. Last oh night. No. And she's like, and like, boom. <laughs> Oh no. She's like, I'm just going to go play guitar. So uh-huh. She's like,
1: someone, take someone deal with that. you. And I'm sure you've seen these too, but you know how she, if she messes up one of her surprise songs, she will completely start over and like do the bridge again. And like that whole thing. And so everyone's like, wants her to mess up. So she does the bridge twice because her bridges are so incredible. Well, she messed up at our Nashville show with 15. And so she had to redo the bridge and it was Fantastic.
0: Like, oh, darn. Oh, man. I'm so but she sad. like messed
1: up like the guitar part. And so she was like, oh, I got to start that over. And everyone's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> like, it's such a cool, like, mental shift of the trick of I messed up and now everyone wants you to mess up so that you can do it again. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm sure. Well, and I'm just excited to see what that means. Like, does it mean that it's she's going to have an acoustic track? For every song in her discography. Right. right. And that's gonna be released as some like era, whatever, like before Christmas. (laughs) Or is it all for the documentary or like select? I don't know. I just like want into her brain is all. The
1: amount of footage that they are getting from this show, like
0: wild. From this tour, I guess
1: absolutely insane
0: because well, it's not just the three and a half hours of the show how much are they filming before the show oh, setup, I wanna see everything. on the road I wanna know, what is she doing leading up to the show like where are you
1: sitting are you practicing are you eating like what are you doing i'm not sure if i've ever seen taylor swift eat <laughs> I know she comes in on the janitor cart. Have you seen that? That's been proven. Yes, I, oh, I think got that's footage of her crawling out of. Actually,
0: car. I so I haven't told you this story. We were in San Francisco. And this janitor is literally going across the street, and there's like mops and brooms and all this stuff. And I take a picture, and I was like, "It's Taylor Swift." <laughs> and Jared is like, "What the fuck is happening?" And then I like couldn't post it because I was like, "I don't I know." should have it was, it was like, like it, an invasion of his very party. niche, very
1: niche joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I. Died and he was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's the best. I'll, that's I'll take up the photo now.
1: <laughs> I love that so much.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we
1: are, I think I'm going to get to go to Ed Sheeran in August. My friend Megan really wants to go and has been thinking about getting tickets and like doesn't have anyone who they moved here from California during COVID. And so, you know, I was like, oh my God, I would love to go with you. I love to go to shows and I love Ed Sheeran. And his new album is so different than anything else. But his shows are a different kind of incredible because it's much smaller production, obviously. Yeah. Um, But I don't know what it's called, but like he does... You know, he'll, like, do the keyboard and record yeah. that and uh, then do this called, sound over here. It's
0: called Loop Something. Loop. It's, I fucking love that. I do, too. It's so cool to me. Well, you should get four tickets
1: and I'll okay. go. <laughs> <It's>
0: so <laughs> good. Sure. I'll
1: text her and see if she's grabbed them
0: yet. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited. It'll be completely different. But I think it's also at Arrowhead, which is interesting. Well, and the funny thing is, like, the concept of, like, loop tracks And, like, doing that without a band. I do hear that he has a band for, like, some of the set. Yeah, yeah. But that concept is taken from street performances. Yes, yes. And so, like, you're walking down the, you know, the dock, you know, in the Florida Keys or, you know, out in California somewhere or in Hawaii or whatever. Like, that's what a ton of musicians are doing if they're doing it live. So, I don't know. Well, I will
1: definitely let you know that experience in comparison. It's in August, though, so it'll be after our Taylor Swift experience. So I need to plan our day because we're going to the Friday night show in Kansas City, and I want the whole day dedicated. Yeah, like what? To- what
0: are we doing? When are we getting ready together? Are we not? Are we getting food? Where are we getting food? Yeah. what's happening? I need yeah. a whole. I yeah.
1: Of- I need to make the plan. We need to figure out where we could be.
0: Okay, I'm wow. excited. Okay,
1: well, last podcast episode. You just dropped a little bit of a sentence that I thought probably perked some of your guys' little bat ears, and we have always been the... Open book, ask us anything, will literally tell you anything and continue to be. And so, in the sake of transparency, when Abby just like subtly mentioned, oh, that's why we stopped doing social selling because it was out of our boundaries and ethics here at Boss Project, I was like, we need to talk about that. And so, we're going to talk about that and talk about how you can kind of run your own filter of decision-making within your business for marketing and selling tactics or literally anything else. But I want to talk to you about the thought process that went into that and why we stopped such a very effective sales
0: tool here at BP. Yeah. So I kind of want to include a little disclaimer here at the top that blatantly states that I'm not against the concept of social selling as a whole, I absolutely think it works. And I've been witness to it working. I also think it can be fantastic for people who have other things kind of that prevent them from performing in other ways, like chronic health conditions or lack of childcare, or, you know, there's other reasons why this method may make a ton of sense for a specific season. But I want to dig into why we stopped and what the results have been and why I'm really excited about it. Yeah. So kind of starting at the top, I have been a part of this concept for Oh, gosh, at least four years, because prior to doing social selling at Boss Project, I was doing it for my own small business on the side and saw a lot of fantastic results. And definitely when people in our industry were starting to talk about it as a mechanism for sales, I was like, I don't know why I haven't thought about using it at BP. It's always just been my mechanism for doing it. On the side. But I would say 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, we were introduced to the concept of like social selling with no sales calls and what the power of that could look like. And I'm not necessarily going to dig into how to do it, or what the method is. I don't think it's my place, nor does it really matter for the concept of this conversation. The overarching thing, though, for those of you who are like, well, I don't even know what social selling is. The concept would be that on some kind of social platform, it could be any social platform, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, WhatsApp. (laughs) sure. (laughs) Maybe even Twitter. I'm not really sure. Anywhere that there's messaging features that you could have a conversation with someone and ultimately convert for sale without picking up the phone. And benefits primarily being that it can be asynchronous and that you can do it anytime, anywhere, regardless of where you are in the world. And I saw that. And it also ultimately really had an effect on my life. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's dig into it. Emily, what do you want to know?
1: (laughs) Well, I think like my precursor that I'll add to this conversation is that letting go of something that was actually really effective in its results is not new for us. I feel like we have consistently been the black sheep of this industry because of what we've just adamantly said no to doing because we didn't want to, or it wasn't fun, or we didn't like how it made us feel, or we didn't like the lifestyle change that it would require for us to do the thing well, or whatever it might be. And we have kind of created ourselves on this own little island sometimes because of a lot of what we don't participate in. And we have talked often about how What we believe works for us and the backbones of our methodologies that we teach are very like business foundational, traditional focused of things that the medium might not like might change over the years. But the foundation of the actual behavior, tactic, thought process, action, whatever doesn't change. And so I want you guys to use this conversation as an example of us literally saying no to sales in a sense saying no to a strategy that did work had a very high conversion rate in lieu of prioritizing our values and literally how we wanted to feel in our day-to-day role and specifically you and i think that you know when i started seeing us dive into social selling and started seeing it work It was an interesting, like, I mean, we could go back to the very first kind of couple of conversations when we had our very first launch where we were introducing social selling as the main selling tool. You and I had to divide up leads and conversations because there were so many, so many, and we both still had so many people to talk to. And I knew going into that, like, oh, if this is a role that I specifically have to play in this company, I can do literally nothing else but this thing. Because it was so emotionally taxing and exhausting to maintain the conversations, remember conversations, and then the hours that those conversations were being had in were all something that I was not interested in, in keeping as part of my role full-time. So you definitely started to take on more of that as we continue to use that selling technique. And I'm definitely glad we don't utilize it anymore because of what I could see coming in the sense of how your role was going to have to drastically change.
0: Yeah. after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's monarchmone dot strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss project. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, I mean, the biggest issue for me was not the act of doing it. Like I enjoyed the conversations. I enjoyed getting to know people. It wasn't necessarily draining in the same way that it was for Emily in that regard, because I did really love getting to know people in that way. It just meant that there was no off, like, and I found myself working a full time job, you know, during normal business hours, fulfilling a lot of operational duties and finance duties and whatever. And then I became this quasi salesperson from 4pm to 11pm, pretty much every day of the week, like regardless of weekends. And, you know, you could, in theory, say no to answering outside of business hours. But one of the kind of Features of social selling that I think a lot of people downplay Uh (laughs) is that you're going to get the most traction if you're actively talking at the same time. And the concept of doing it asynchronously slows down the sales process significantly and makes the conversion rate drop dramatically. And so, for it to be effective, if someone's responding, you got to act. And so, it didn't matter. If I was out to dinner or like headed to a movie or like in bed or watching TV, I was reacting all of the time. I remember I made a sale sitting in the hot tub
1: with my mom and my neighbor and like, hold on, I need a voice memo with this client real quick. And it worked, but I was like, ew. (laughs) And I
0: think some people love that, but I...
1: I just don't. I,
0: I did not like feeling... Like I was just always available. Right, right, right. And it was, you know, it was fine for a season and it definitely is not the volume Emily is talking about in a launch launch mode is very, very different than evergreen. So I'm not saying it's like a constant all the time thing during launch. Absolutely. It's every day and intentionally reaching out every day and like being very proactive about it during evergreen. It's unpredictable, Mm -hmm. but the unpredictability is almost more nerve wracking, because you constantly feel this need to like check the messages and like, make sure you didn't miss anything. And like, have you checked in with everybody? And then I don't know, it was just adding a lot of unnecessary stress for me. And so the big thing I remember very explicitly saying had actually less to do with the sales conversation, and more to do with the unification of the process Because what ended up happening in the fall of last year is we previously our agency type services were very much on like a... DL kind of thing. We weren't like openly advertising them. We weren't walking through that process very often. But like when we opened the doors for that to be available to the general public, we started having sales calls and specifically discovery and sales conversations. But I had two different leads processes. Some leads were getting approved and then like you had to process the application and then have this conversation on social. And then simultaneously, I have people booking on my calendar for discovery and sales calls. And typically what was prioritized, it was the hotter lead, which... P.S. is always going to be your sales calls because the thing that people don't talk about is the difference in conversion rate. The mechanism does matter. You know, if you're doing direct to sale, you're going to see somewhere between 0.5 and 2% direct to sale. If you're going through a webinar, like you might be able to get that up to like 5 or 7%. If you include social selling, like, and this is not just my percentage, but this is consistently the highest I've kind of seen it amongst people. People who are telling you it's higher, it's because their lead volume is so low, not because they're better at converting. But Social selling tends to convert around 15%. And this is with data of thousands of leads, not a hundred. And then, you know, sales calls specifically, depending on the quality of lead, can convert anywhere between 50 and 75%. Here at Boss Project, it definitely is between 50 and 60% most of the time. And so if someone is literally four times more likely to convert by going through this other process. I was like, it doesn't make sense to continue doing this stuff over here. And then add on to the fact that one of the issues that we were kind of glossing over was people's use of these messaging apps in the last 18 months drastically changed drastically dropped drastically drop people are not checking it as often people are not responding as quickly people are going days between messages and for something to work you have to be able to have the conversation yeah yep. and so you know do I think it will work it will work as long as there continues to be a way to have active and engaging conversations but if the conversations become so removed like, I think people are going to have to make different choices because the mechanism isn't going to be as foolproof. Right, right.
1: And just to kind of reiterate something that you've already said, though, this is not a critique to the strategy. I do see this being an extreme benefit for people who have different work schedules, different work balance, different ways that you like to show up. If you don't like a sales call, definitely try this. Know that there are consequences to the decisions. This is what we talk about all the time, that it's very rarely a, a bad Business decision or marketing tactic, um, but there are consequences to them, right? And in our world, in our business, if we could see a higher close rate with less conversations during appropriate business hours, why wouldn't we take that?
0: Yeah. Well, and I get, I know some people are going to be out here saying, oh, well, my schedule simply won't allow me to talk to that many people and I could convert more. And DMs, maybe, but people's lead volume are so low. I would be remiss to assume that you could actually fill up your schedule with organic leads that you're getting. If you're running ads constantly, then maybe, but like if you can't handle it, throttle it back what I like about it is you have complete autonomy over what that looks like. So, you know, initially I went kind of hard and kind of fast and I let people run over my schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I had calls Monday through Friday, pretty much from top of my day to the bottom of my day. Now I have a much tighter window that people can book within, but it doesn't reduce my book rate. Like People who are filling out the schedule are just picking a time that I have available. And I can also block myself as soon as I'm like, oh, the day's feeling a little full. I just block off my time and then no one else can book. No problem. And before I was at the leisure of <laughs> what came when and I, you know, I had no control over that. I feel so much more in control of when i have to be on and when i have to be in a different mode yeah
1: well and i mean it truly is a it's a scheduling thing as well like knowing that you have a discovery call or a pitch meeting at 3 p.m on a thursday is so much easier for you to prepare and wrap your brain around from the fact that someone could drop in and say hey this afternoon you could close them tonight or by tomorrow or in a couple of days but like the hours in which you have to show up for that are so unpredictable. Yeah. How are you handling people who are messaging now? Because like you will still get DMs.
0: Honestly, guys, when I change the mechanism, the messages really declined. The people messaging predominantly are looking for resources. They're like, hey, listen to the podcast and I have this thing to say. And so we'll respond. Or, you know, if they're looking for something else, then we're aligning them with the thing they're looking for but very rarely is it selling conversations there's been a couple people who have said hey i filled out the form and i have a you know a call with you coming up and they may ask a question but like very rarely and if they do that i'm at the point where i don't feel obligated to respond outside of business hours because like they already have something on my calendar Like I already have time dedicated to them and it's been communicated. And so like, I will respond, but like tomorrow,
1: (laughs) not at 9 PM.
0: Yeah, And you know, for me, it was, I had to separate work and life a little bit more. And it wasn't just the social selling. Like I also, for those of you who followed me personally, you've probably seen, A pretty distinct drop off in the amount of things I'm sharing on the personal side. And it's because I was just so burnt out from the all the time being on and need to figure out what I wanted in that time off. And you know, it's kind of nice that you guys don't always know what I'm up to. But you know, it's been really good. So for us, it really comes down to the values, like, for sure, systems, timing, the fact that people were less responsive anyway, because of changes in social media, all that's true. But if we're going to continue to run a life first business, and I can't prioritize my life because of the way we're structuring things, then Mm -hmm. the business needs to change, not my life. Yeah. And we've always been true to that. And it doesn't mean we won't Break our own rules for a period of time and then figure it out later. And then be like, okay, we need to pull back on this thing. I'm not saying we're perfect out of the gate. We're not. We're not. And I definitely had a period of convincing myself that it was fine. It was no big deal because I could just casually do it. And that was true a lot of the time, but I also just never felt rested and I never felt like fully recharged. And so that needed to be. A bigger yeah. priority. Well, and like, what's funny.
1: So some people might be saying, well, then why wouldn't you just hire a salesperson and train them on that if that was still working and that would be the only role that they had. And well, that is something that we definitely tried for me and, you know, I know other businesses would make a different decision and that's fine. I am someone, like, we didn't just make these values for fun. Like, we didn't just make the life first value because, like, we thought it would be cool and that's how you and I wanted to run our life, but, like, screw everyone else on our team and, like, they need to work a different way. It was deliberately picked because I believe, we believe, deep down, solely, truthfully, that actually prioritizing your life first, period, will impact everything that you do in your work, your life, your relationships, your health, everything for they better, period. And so I don't just believe that about my schedule and your schedule, but I believe that about every single person on our team's schedule and our client's schedule as well. And so if we have one person on our team who I'm like, no, no, you have to work from 4 p.m. to midnight, that doesn't feel fun for me. That sends the wrong message to clients that we even want to work with in the future. Like, oh, you chatted with this person at 9 p.m., but I'm never going to message you at 9 p.m. So don't get used to that because once you're actually a client, the conversations are from eight to four. That just, it was a misalignment. They were going against each other.
0: Mm -hmm. And I found that, you know, it's been helpful even in in that kind of setting the precedent. Like people aren't anticipating... A super fast response anymore. They're much chiller about it. And I'm not even saying it's something that they demanded or like that it was necessary. But I think a lot of this is unconscious behavior. Like if you started that way from the beginning, like why would it be different? And because it was even the people who sold that way also started asking questions that way. And so we'd have theoretically client questions that instead of using the community or the channels that we've built, who would message on social and I want to help. And so I, I, you know, was definitely doing my best to help them, but it also meant showing up when it didn't make sense. And so I'm glad we shifted it because of our values but also i'm not going to lie the difference in my process is night and day i have an completely unified sales process that regardless of what you're purchasing or potentially purchasing if it's above a certain price point threshold then you're having a conversation with me and I am asking poignant questions to really learn about you. I feel like I know these people even better than I knew them before. I get to ask better questions. I get to hear more nuance. I get more thoughtful responses. And it's so funny because I've done this so much. You know, I have people on the other end that even if they can't ultimately afford our services and they don't move forward, they feel so seen and heard and connected that that level of service is just not something I could provide in another mechanism that giving them my actual time does. And does that cost our company money? For sure. 100%. But I feel good about what it does for the long term and like what it means for the long term. And social selling is scalable you could add a person but like she is saying you'd have to add them outside of business hours this is going to have a very clear top where like when my calendar reaches a certain threshold consistently okay then that's a conversation for adding a salesperson but it would be during business hours like we wouldn't go back to that and we've you know I don't want you to assume we haven't tried. Like We had two people in that position and definitely went through a rigorous training process for both and definitely saw conversions from that way, but it just didn't make sense long-term. I love having a unified place that I can see everyone I'm having conversations with. When's the last time I talked to them? I'm taking great notes that's allowing us to have better conversations with the team when someone's onboarding, and I feel really good about it. And so... I want to relinquish this like thought that I do think for the sake of marketing, that certain strategies are villainized (laughs) and sales calls do not have to be high pressure situations. They do not have to be icky. They do not have to be weird. They can be very thoughtful opportunities for you to present solutions to people. I think the process that we've really honed in on and ultimately teach our clients how to do, it is the highest converting option at this point. And when you have a low volume amount of leads is a very, very, very doable for the majority of small businesses. And like I said, when you're ready, it has a very clear correlation to you can hire someone who can handle X number of calls a week that converts at this. And if they're not meeting those expectations, then that's a performance issue, not a method issue. Uh, Yeah,
1: not a product issue.
0: And so I feel really good what that looks like for the future. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way. Like if you want to continue to convert in other methods, all about it. I am just in a season of my life where I want the thing that's going to waste the least amount of my time, give me the best results and ultimately provide for our company in the way yeah. that is the least has the least resistance.
1: Yeah. I wanted you all to hear that other businesses make decisions like this all of the time. Just because something is effective does not mean you have to keep doing it. If it goes against your values, if it makes you feel a certain way, I'd love for you to get some feedback on that. I would love to, like, if it makes sense, like, use us as a sounding board to is it the actual method or is it the process or is it the expectations or whatever it might be? Sometimes we do give up on things that are actually working quite well and can just be better structured to, you know, to work for you in a better way but don't be afraid to get to choose how to run your business and make sales in a way that is in alignment with how you want to show up and do that. That is very much a possibility in this industry and in your niche of working with clients. So if you want to help brainstorm what that could look like or create differences to your selling process, I know Abby would love to chat with you and ask some questions and dig a little further. So where can they go to get on your calendar?
0: Yeah. So you can go to bossproject.com slash waitlist share a little bit about your company. If you are selling services and you would love to see improvement to your sales process, the incubator is a great opportunity for you to continue to hone that skill and really scale from five to $25,000 months. So if you want to chat about what that would look like, or simply you want to get on my calendar and ask me some questions, you can go to bossprojectcom slash waitlist, fill out a quick form and grab a time with me.